Hey everybody, welcome back to an all new episode of Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. This is a show that takes a deep dive into the world of 80s cartoons and all of the glorious insanity therein. My name is Randy, I am your host on this journey, and today we're continuing our look into the G.I. Joe miniseries Arise, Serpentor Arise, that opened the second series, uh, the second season of the series. Today we're looking at part three of this five-part journey. But of course, before we get into that, I gotta let you know that Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast is a production of Geek World Order. Go to geekworldorder.com for all the latest and greatest geeky content media as we get closer to celebrating the site's 11th anniversary. And of course, we're on social media. Check us out on Facebook. You can look up Geek World Order and Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, both at Geek World Order. And of course, we are on all of the major podcast providers. We're on Apple, Spotify, uh, all those good channels. So, of course, subscribe to the show, leave a comment, leave a rating, review, a heart react, uh, whatever your podcast provider of choice lets you do. Leave some feedback and help people find this podcast. All right, so when we last left our heroes here... Uh, Beachhead and Mainframe were battling with the Baroness over the DNA of Vlad Tepes. And as the Cobra Troopers left, they unsettled the foundation of the tomb. The building was falling in, and Beachhead and Mainframe, they make their swing. They make their, uh, well, really the only option they have is jumping into the tomb. So, the wrecked walls, the the castle begins to crumble. They slip into the tomb of Vlad Tepes. Meanwhile, we see Mutt and Junkyard patrolling the outer perimeter of the castle. They see it collapsing, and of course rush to there. We hear Junkyard making a few sounds. So it looks like he seems to have found the... Uh, he seems to have found Beachhead and Mainframe here. So... Alpine kind of questions, like, no, they can't be alive. Mutt just, like, listen, stop John, start digging. We cut back to Siberia, as our forces there are completely overwhelmed by the bats and the Cobra snowtroopers. They've crossed the drawbridge into the tomb, raising it behind them. And a couple of the bats basically make it impossible for the Joes to cross as they cut through a part of the ice and fall to their deaths. But unfortunately, this just enough of a cut in the ice makes it impossible for the G.I. Joe October Guard combined forces to make it through. So the DNA of Ivan the Terrible is taken by the Cobra Snow Serpent, who, yes, folks, this whole mission of Cobra Troopers and Bats is led by a no-name Cobra Snow Serpent. Yeah, so the forces of G.I. Joe and Cobra are spread very thin here. But really? You got nothing? You know, I don't even remember Major Blood leading any of, any of these assaults. Maybe I'm wrong, but... 
I think by this point, Major Blood may have already been written out of the cartoon. But you couldn't have had Blood lead this mission? Anybody? Storm Shadow? It's like, we definitely got some Cobra... Some top Cobras missing here, folks. And we're already writing toys out of the show. So yeah, there we go. But they get the DNA. They get... He sends a firebat pilot out within a firebat off to Cobra. And it's like, well, what are we going to do with all these Cobra troops? But they immediately drop their weapons and surrender. Because, well, there's really no point in them fighting. Because they'll be free once Cobra Commander conquers the world. And that really strikes a chord with Duke because he realizes, well... Unfortunately, unless G.I. Joe starts getting their act together, that Cobra Creep is kind of right. So we cut to General Hawk in the, I believe he's still in the plane from the last episode. He's radioing out to Sergeant Slaughter that, well, they're, they're traveling away. Duke and his unit have lost. They're moving towards Genghis Khan's tomb. And it, Slaughter and his team are being ordered to head towards Sun Tzu's burial mound. Um, Slaughter gives Hawk a bit of a pep talk. And well, you know, Duke and his team, they really shouldn't beat themselves up over the, vic over the Cobra victory. Because, well, we'd really, you know, G.I. Joe would really have a better chance of winning if they knew what Cobra's plan was. So yeah, at this point, we still don't know, or at least the, well, obviously we as the audience know what the plan for Cobra is, but G.I. Joe hasn't figured that out yet. They're still trying to play catch up. They're still trying to find out what is going on here. And yeah, but before we can get any further, the sergeant's transmission is cut off. Take cover! It's Cobra! So clearly under attack. So... Hawk is like, he seems worried. He's like, Sergeant Slaughter, are you under attack? Bruh, he literally just said it's Cobra. You could hear the explosions over the radio. Hawk, you dumbass. Yes. Yes, I think he's under attack by Cobra. So we cut over to the tomb of Alexander the Great. Leatherneck and Wetsuit are sitting in a couple of a G.I. Joe devilfish. And they're bickering. Because, you know, Leatherneck's complaining about being bored. And Wetsuit complains that he can't stand listening to Leatherneck complaining about being bored. Yeah. This is the this is just Wetsuit and Leatherneck here. The odd couple. A Marine and a Navy SEAL. So, of course, Shipwreck has to be the uh, voice of reason here, you know, interrupting their sophisticated repartee. You know, at this point, we've already had enough problems with Cobra, and it's going to make this an even difficult, more difficult mission, because the Tomb of Alexander the Great is under the water. And Polly, with his lovely one-liner of, Ah! Saves a bundle on fire insurance! 
So we radio into Deep Six and Torpedo. Characters we're, I don't, pretty sure we're not going to see after this episode at all. Or at least not with speaking roles. Pretty sure neither of them has a speaking role after this episode. But we cut to them. And so far, nothing on the radars, which is great. So Shipwreck decides to lift up his binoculars and continue his um sightseeing, shall we say. And he's found some very attractive women who are water skiing. But as they pat but they seem to have noticed him looking, they give him a little wave, and they just pass by using their skis to just kind of shoot the water up behind in a nice little trail behind them. But as the water settles, oh no, we've got Cobra Mores. Oh, oh, they were only decoys. Destro's here with his unit of Cobra Mores. He's got eels. So it's time to attack. Our water-based G.I. Joes yell Yojo and get into battle. Leatherneck and uh, Wetsuit have a lovely argument again with Wetsuit throwing a jab, you know, asking if Leatherneck's aim has improved since their last target practice. Leatherneck shoots off a few missiles and even takes out some of the remaining mores. Wetsuit just like, ha, took you four on that one. Ah, nothing satisfies you, Wetsuit. So once again, Shipwreck has to be the voice of reason here, yelling at the two to stop bickering and start fighting. But in all of this confusion, Destro finds a nearby oil tanker. He's like, ha, this will be perfect. So he shoots some missiles at, he shoots some torpedoes at the tanker. And of course, the flames block the Joes from continuing their suit. Destro and a couple of Cobra Eels jump into the water, and they're on their way to steal the, the DNA for their next mission. So, Wetsuit suits up, he puts his gear on, and he jumps down to give Torpedo and Wet and uh, Deep Six a hand. So, he radios that a tree of sea serpents are heading their way. And just as they get this message... Cobra attacks Deep Six and Wetsuit. Deep Six is piling the shark, so he slips off real quick to grab Torpedo. I'm sorry, so he, he grab, goes to grab Wetsuit, leaving Torpedo by himself so they can uh, do a little uh, freeze play on Cobra here, try to stop them in their tracks. But Destro, of course, has all of his lovely weapons because, you know, he is an arms dealer. And he pulls out a foam bomb. So he lets the bomb go. They swim away. And Deep Six in the shark, Torpedo and Wetsuit are all captured in this foam cloud as it expands and hardens. They're stuck in it. And they're heading towards the oil slick fire. Oh boy, our Joes are in danger here, aren't they, folks? Well, you know what happens when our heroic characters are on their way towards certain death, right? Of course you do. 
we have to go and follow our TV tropes. So, of course, this time, it's time for a commercial break. So, we'll be back in just a moment, folks. Land shark. The mighty land shark will have mechanic for lunch. Yikes! vehicle is new from the Masters of the Universe collection. Not for use with some figures. Action figures each sold separately from Mattel. In the world of the Transformers, it used to be easy to tell the Autobots from the Decepticons. But now, the mini-spies are on the loose. They look like Autobots, but are they? It's a Decepticon! After him! Transformer mini-spies. You get one with each of the six Autobot mini-car packages. Motorized Transformers. You can't tell if they're Autobots or Decepticons until you rub up their symbol. It's an Autobot! Transformer Mini Spies. Get them while supplies last from Hasbro. Safari, so good. Out here, I won't go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs with its scrumptious, chocolatey taste. Ooh, it's part of this good, nutritious breakfast. Oh, 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 Natives, hope they're friendly. Want some Puff Puff Cocoa Puffs? Lunchy, crunchy Cocoa Puffs? Delicious, chocolatey-tasting Cocoa Puffs. Yahoo! I'm Cocoa for Cocoa Puffs! I'm hung up on their delicious, chocolatey taste. Promise to be a good parent to my Cabbage Patch Kids. The Cabbage Patch Kids. Each doll is different, and you can pretend to adopt them. My baby has a real diaper. You can love and care for them, like your very own. They're a pal. They're the only one. I love you. They're each one of a kind. They're Cabbage Patch Kids. You can give them all your love. Cabbage Patch Kids are each sold separately. Each doll comes with a pretend birth certificate and adoption papers from Coleco. This good nutritious breakfast. All right, and we are back. So we're up on our heroes as they're heading closer and closer towards the fire up top. Wetsuit happens to have one of his arms free, so he fires off a grappling hook at the sinking ship. Luckily, it, and is able to hook onto it just enough that the that the Joes and their just their encasement of foam stop just short of the fire. Like Wetsu could almost like reach out and touch the fire. Actually, no, I think Torpedo is the one that's closer to it. <coughs> but either way, these Joes are very close to the fire. In not exactly in a good spot here. So we radio they radio up to shipwreck for help. Unfortunately, him and Leatherneck are a little bit busy. Of course, as with the tanker here being destroyed, they're pulling they're pulling duty now, helping the sailors that are stuck in the water and drowning and dying. But well, really, there's no point in getting the help from shipwreck at this point because 
Destro and his troops are escape, have escaped with the DNA of Alexander the Great. So once again, the G.I. Joe team has taken another loss. So we cut to the desert, where Dr. Mindbender, Zamok, and Tomax are in small vehicles. Uh, Mindbender's in a trouble bubble. Tomax and Zamok are in Cobra Fangs. And there you come upon Sergeant Slaughter in the Triple T tank. And a couple of green shirts just hitting a recon and just driving in recon sleds. So they managed to hit the triple T. It's on fire. So Sarge is driving this thing while it's smoking. The, the twins fire from the fangs. They hit a canyon wall and some boulders tumble towards Sarge and his team. So they're pretty happy with their results. They think Slaughter's done. But now it's time to fly away. <coughs> Go. So Dr. Minder, Mindbender lands and orders the, the twins to keep a guard on the perimeter. Well, he takes care of the DNA extraction for Sun Tzu. But as Dr. Mindbender sets up his equipment and drills into the dome covering the tomb... We quickly learn that the Sarge and his team are okay as they go to attack Dr. Mindbender. So Mindbender orders a squadron of Vipers to attack. Well, I guess technically he does get Vipers, but they're not just, you know, the generic shock troop Vipers that we would expect here from the 86 lot of characters. We specifically get Strato Vipers parachuting in from the... Night Raven above, and they begin their attack. And once again, <clears throat> as we've learned from part one, Sergeant Slaughter is a very strong man. So once again, he's knocking these Cobra agents down very quickly and very easily because they are clearly not as strong as the bats. Of course. So they get them away. So, Mindbender orders the twins to attack. Luckily, he knocks Tomax out of the way and grabs Zamot and begins to do a wrestling maneuver. Yeah, Sergeant Slaughter picks him up and does the old airplane spin above his head with uh, Zamot. But then uh, Tomax begins to twirl around uncontrollably. Because, of course, anything that's happening to his brother, he must endure as well. Because of that lovely psych psychological bond they have. So, yeah. Sarge makes pretty quick work of them, too. Luckily, it's just long enough for Mindbender to finish grabbing the DNA of Sun Tzu. And he throws a bomb into the, into the tomb. He flies away. But, luckily, Sergeant Slaughter is able just to grab onto the landing gear of the, of the uh, Cobra f Trouble Bubble. So, he's being pulled up. The tomb explodes. But, just as we get there, Hawk and Roadblock arrive in their plane. And they start shooting the fangs out of the air. So, the twins have to land... Mindbender and Sarge are fighting. Mindbender tries to shoot the Sarge. 
But luckily he ducks that and climbs right into the trouble bubble with Dr. Mindbender, punches him in the face a few times for good measure, and then he's in control of the vehicle here. The twins draw their guns. They attack. Long enough to distract Slaughter. He kind of leans out, throws a zinger at him. But it's enough for Mindbender to pull, to at least get his leg back to kick Sarge out of the vehicle. But as he falls, Sarge is able to grab the DNA extractor. He lands on top of the twins. The DNA extractor jumps out of Sarge's hand, hits the ground, and breaks. So, kind of a victory for G.I. Joe? Maybe a wash? Eh, whatever. So, we cut back to the plane. Sarge is sitting on one of the recon sleds. And he's got a headache. He's got a pretty big headache. Sci-Fi comes in, gives the Sarge a good old cup of coffee, asks him how he's doing. So, we look at that. Hawk's got the device in his hands, kind of looking at it. Still trying to figure out what's going on here. Roadblock interrupts and that mainframe, they're, sorry, Alpine's radioing in. And they're still trying to find the their buried teammates in mainframe and beachhead. But luckily, they seem to have found that they've gotten through all the rubble. And Mutt and Bazooka lift the lid to the tomb of Vlad Tepes. And out come mainframe and beachhead. Son of a gun. After 18 hours. Yeah, they've been locked in that tomb for 18 hours. So, obviously this was not a very enjoyable experience, at least for mainframe. Because, besides it, listen, Beachhead, um, after this is all over, I'm going to need to talk about your deodorant. Which Beachhead replies, what do you mean? I don't use deodorant. That's what I want to talk to you about. So, and it does state on his file, I believe it actually states on Beachhead's file card that, you know, to keep himself masked from during missions, he doesn't wear deodorant. And, um, wearing tactical gear in cosplay, um, yeah, no, deodorant is very needed. Because you, you have some of the gear that these Joes carry. And, yeah, just a couple hours in full tack gear is a very hot experience. Especially considering the fact I live in Florida. Also very hot. Deodorant is very, very required. Listen, Beachhead, there's such a thing as neutral scented deodorant. You can get deodorant that doesn't have a smell to it. It exists. You can get it, my friend. Just just do a little research here. So we go back to the Cobra fl uh, transport jet. And well, Cobra Commander is not very happy. Um, obviously these missions have cost Cobra personnel, 
vehicles, equipment. The twins got creamed in the fight. So, Dr. Mindbender is just getting it from Cobra Commander. He is getting the berating of a lifetime here. And he's also lost Sun Tzu's DNA. Which, according to Mindbender himself, was one of the most crucial components to this entire genetically created leader concoction. They literally lost one of the one of the most important parts of the equation here. So, he proclaims that Mindbender's project is deader than Disco. He takes scrap iron with them and he just leaves. He's like, <laughs> uh, deader than Disco. I should have been a stand-up comedian. So, fun point here. The, this line is absolutely fun. It's hilarious because Chris Latta, the voice actor for um, Cobra Commander, also goes also went by the name of Christopher Collins. Actually, was a stand-up comedian. So awesome. I, I love that they kind of threw that line in there for kind of just some real world effect and kind of a nice nod to Chris Latta and his, you know, his real life outside of the voice acting. So they leave. Zaymot and Tomax are talking with Mindbender. He's like, well, yeah, we're going to need to figure something out this here. Because without Sun Tzu's DNA, their new leader is basically going to be a bigger dweeb than Cobra Commander is. But that's okay. Dr. Mindbender has a plan. He's going to replace one of the greatest military strategists of all time with the DNA of one of the greatest soldiers of the current times. Sergeant Slaughter! Okay, I know what you're thinking. And I completely agree with you. This is already a bad idea. This is already 100% a bad, terrible idea. Mindbender, please just just find another conqueror. There, there's got to be someone you can put in this role. Did, did you not see how this man took a bat and used it as a baseball bat? To beat the other bats? Did, did you not see how he just destroyed like an, like a whole squadron of like Strato Vipers? Did you not see how he destroyed the twins? I mean, A for effort, but this, this is going to be a bad idea. I know it. So... We get some nice maniacal laughter from the doctor. So he's come up with this evil plan. Now we have to figure out what's happening. But, of course, we have to take a quick commercial break here first. Because that's clearly what our TV trope rules say. When our villains create a diabolical plan and provide some maniacal laughter. Of course we're going to cut to a commercial break. So that's what we're going to do now, folks. And... Oh, we'll be back in just a moment. I found you, Max! 
Ideals RoboForce. Warrior robots with gripper bases and crusher arms. Max Steel, the leader. Volgar, the destroyer. Coptor, the enforcer. Each sold separate. Your gripper base will save you? I'll get you next time, Max Steel. Coptor, the enforcer. Max Steel, the leader. Volgar, the destroyer. Each sold separately from Ideals RoboForce. Take a closer look at the clues to better teeth. First clue, eating the right foods is a giant plus. Clue two, brushing your teeth is a big deal. And clue three, fluorids and flossing by tooth decay. Right, and clue four, visit your dentist's office to have good checkups and healthy teeth. Not taking care of teeth is a crime. Your Sundays always start off great with Super Cartoon Sunday. Wake up at 8.30 for an hour of excitement with Spider-Man and the superheroes. Then at 9.30, it's time for that spinach-loving sailor, Popeye. Stay tuned for that wild pair, Tom and Jerry at 10. And at 10.30, get ready to laugh with that way-out woodpecker, Woody. Sundays always start out fun with Super Cartoon Sunday on Metro Media 32. We're back for more fun with Fred and Barney. When the power of orange blossom unfolds, she's ripe for a meeting with big black gold. SSD muscle machines. They're big, bad, dirty, and mean. Popping a wheelie high on her luck. And black gold turned with ease through the muck. So mighty, so awesome, a showdown is sure. In this fight to the finish, who will endure? <laughs> SST muscle machines. They're big, bad, dirty, and mean. SST muscle machines sold separately. Batteries not included from play school. Coosas came from Waikusa Valley as friends for Cabbage Patch Kids and your girls and boys. Bring in luck and joy, our Coosa cheers you up on a gloomy day. And does such funny things, cause Coosas like to play. And Coosas are curious, they think that they can read. A Coosa likes a cookie too, but hugs are what they really need. Now Coosas have their own care center, sold separately. ID callers carry the names you give them, so have fun and cuddle up. Cuddle up with a Coosa. Taste the rainbow of fruit flavors. Taste the rainbow. In Skittles. Skittles. All your favorite fruit flavors. Taste the rainbow. In Skittles. Skittles. Bite-sized Colorful candy shells with fruit flavors in the middle. Strawberry, orange, lemon, lime. In Skittles. Bite-sized candies. Taste the rainbow of fruit flavors. Taste the rainbow. In Skittles. All right, and we are back. So the G.I. Joe forces are converging upon Genghis Khan's tomb. They've got mines. They've got vehicles. Pretty much they've gathered for one concentrated defense play here. But it seems Cobra's been busy as well. Because although G.I. Joe has tried to protect the tombs that they knew about, apparently there were some plans missing here might have might have uh gone up in flames with with the, that partial bit of the list that during that communique from zartan that low light intercepted but we learned that cobra has also raided the tombs of julius caesar geronimo and rasputin so gi joe is really losing at this point and at this point 
we still don't know exactly what Cobra wants from the tombs. So we cut back to the Cobra Island. Zaymoth and Tomax pay another visit to Dr. Mindbender, who's checking on the various containers of DNA, you know, continuing with his plans forward. And he's already calculated how Sergeant Slaughter's DNA is going to be used in the, in the creation matrix of the Cobra Emperor. But, you know, Zaymoth and Tomax are like, um, listen, you might want to pump the brakes just a little bit here. Because you still don't have Genghis Khan's DNA. And we learn that Cobra Commander is once again eavesdropping. You know, thanks to all these lovely bugs that fire that uh, Scrap Iron's created. He gets angry. He slams the desk and yells, They must not succeed! So we cut back to G.I. Joe headquarters. Or we cut back to the tomb of Genghis Khan, where their headquarters is set up, the mobile base of command. Lifeline and Doc are looking at the machine. And they've concluded what Cobra's plan is. They they seem to be they seem to agree that the machines are used to carry to gather DNA samples. And from this it appears that Cobra's going to use that DNA to create an army of super soldiers. All based on the power of DNA. Deoxyribonucleic acid. We cut outside. Gungo hears the term. He's like, what? So we get the quick, you know, the quick elementary school definition from, from Mutt. Explaining that DNA is basically the chief building block of all life. See, look at that. See, we're art, we are providing educational content in the middle of our violent 80s cartoons See, see, the cartoons just do everything. It's cool. It's cool. See, we didn't need the FCC, inf you know, government involvement that we got in the 90s that basically destroyed our, uh, our cartoon blocks. But things are looking a little uh, bleak for the G.I. Joe forces. And even Roadblock notes that, um... The Joe's chance of winning won't be fine when Cobra joins with Frankenstein. But as he says that, he we're cut off by an attack from Cobra. We've got Cobra Night Ravens, his tank stuns, a good assortment of firepower. But luckily the Joes are there with the Mauler tanks, armadillos, uh, vamps, Havocs, Awestrikers, the Conquest jets. Well... And we get a pretty good battle. And, well, the G.I. Joe, Joe is actually able to kind of move them off pretty quickly. And, yes, yes, folks, this is where we get the weird line from Cross Country. As he pilots his Havoc, takes out a few Cobra vehicles and yells, Jeb Stewart, you is avenged! I don't understand this line. Like, I legit don't even know who Jeb Stewart is. Oh, boy. Like, I had to 
even look this up. So, basically, as far as I can tell, he was a Confederate general, which the character of Cross Country is very much a, very much a Southerner from the state of Alabama. So, yeah. I mean, he even wears a Confederate um, military hat in his gear. But even then, I still don't understand that line in this episode. I had never understood this line. Like, even f looking up who this man, who this general was. Yeah. I got nothing. So we're just gonna move on here. I guess he... Yeah, but from what I can tell, looks like he was a uh, Confederate general, died in a battle, and apparently cross-country has decided his death has been avenged now. So, anyway, once again, we get our attack the co the cobras are winning or gi joe's winning and during the battle dr mindbender kind of has to remind his troops um watch where you're aiming guys i don't want the sergeant slaughtered <laughs> not yet at least so mindbender orders the, a retreat the joes are celebrating alex like no 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 this was just round one they're probably going to be back. Well, we'll see how that goes in just a minute here, folks. So, Cobra Commander comes in. He's yelling at Mindbender because this tack was another, just another catastrophic failure. He orders his Crimson Guards to place Mindbender under arrest, but no one's moving. Really? Once again, the Crimson Guard, the elite commandos, basically this these personal secret service to Cobra Commander, have once again refused to follow his orders. We're doing real good with this whole, uh, you know, elite security force thing, aren't we? Yeah. So, Destro's laughing maniacally, and he explains that, you know, listen... That first attack was just a diversion. Lull the, lull the Joes into a false sense of security, get them comfortable, and then we attack again with a more catastrophic attack. So, Cobra Commander's like... <sighs> Cobra Commander's done at this point. He's like, you know what? Whatever. J j just do your attack... Keep going with your plans. At this point, I will either, you'll either succeed and I will praise you for the genius you are, or you're going to fail and I'm just going to have you beheaded for terminal stupidity. So we cut back to the G.I. Joe's base. Our Joes are having fun. They're interacting. We even see Flint and Lady J just sitting by the campfire, being all comfy with each other. 
But of course, over the over the radios, over the loudspeakers, we're interrupted by dial tone. And he alerts that a very large enemy aircraft is heading their way. So, the Joes launch an attack, and it appears that the plane is damaged. And it's heading right towards the tomb. This thing is on fire, smoke is billowing everywhere. So, Duke orders an evacuation an evacuation from where we're expecting it to impact. So, smart idea. But just as the Joes are out just far enough away, <coughs> the plane <coughs> levels itself off and the smoke goes away. Oh, it hasn't been damaged. We've just been fooled by smoke pods and special effects. So, Hawk orders the Joe team back on the double, and Sergeant Slaughter is up front. He blasts a hole in the wall of the enclosure surrounding the burial site, and he even jumps off and begins to climb up a column because a large mechanical arm has made its way from the belly of the Cobra aircraft carrier. And, of course, they're attacking him. But, Mindbender has to tell the idiots that are attacking him, like, no, no. Guys, I really need you to miss him. Like, you can, like, shoot close to him. Make it good. But don't damage the merchandise. So, Sergeant Slaughter is knocked off the mechanical arm. But luckily, he ma he lands on top of the coffin and is brought into the Cobra jet. Dr. Mindbender is there. And he informs him of his plan to use Sergeant Slaughter's DNA to create the new Cobra leader. So, the base, so a couple of doors open in that, in that landing bay area. And bats march out to attack Sergeant Slaughter. So yeah, of course, Sergeant Slaughter begins slowly just pummeling every bat in the area. But right at this time, Cobra Commander walks in with scrap iron. And he, and he notices what he believes to be a stowaway. So... He orders the Sarge to be killed. And Dr. Mindbender's like, No! We need him! And Cobra Commander's like, Yeah. Like a hole in the head. So he has the bay doors open. Slaughter is teetering. So the bats pick him up. And Dr. Mindbender's like, No! So as the bats have Sar the Sarge in the air... He's looking worried. They're about to throw him out the open door. But we're going to have to wait till next time to figure out what happens to Sergeant Slaughter. Because we get those dreaded words to be continued on the next episode of G.I. Joe. So yeah, once again, the stakes are raising. And we get a preview of the next episode and... This was another fun episode. Like, I love this whole series, like, this whole mini series as a whole. 
Um, this part had a lot of action to it. It was really mostly scene to scene to scene to scene. But it it did its job. It was effective in kind of setting up the, the next steps. Because obviously Cobra has to... You know, they have to hit the tombs. They have to get the DNA. Because obviously in these five-parters, you have to have some victories for the bad guys. It's basically what they do. They build up victories, and then eventually it'll get up to a point where our good guys turn the tide. We get the crescendo. But this part was really about establishing... This was kind of the middle part. It it, it kind of got your big heist scenes and things like that in the movie where it, we're, the bad guys are take getting momentum they're going forward and this is what we have to deal with so we've really got to set those stakes for the emotional impact of when we do turn the tides and our heroes start to win it's going to be all the more rewarding so this episode was fun it was great and honestly i'm just looking forward to talking about the next part so I'll do it for this episode of Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast, guys. Check us out on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review and a rating, comments, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time.